0: Hello there everyone and welcome to the Sure IDC podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything and anything. Doesn't matter what or when or who or why, we will talk about it at some point. My name is Lucas and I'm the one starting this because why not? The idea would be like if someone walked up to you and said What do you want to talk about and you said i don't care we talk about movies songs video games board games food books personality traits people animals history anything and everything you can think of except politics there's enough of that going on in the world we can agree disagree or agree to disagree on any opinions facts or anything else that comes up in the episodes because that's life we're just having a good time Today, I have some great friends with me. You have already heard from him once and many more to come. Jonathan. Hello. Hello. And I also have some new, someone new, Emily. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. I'm the newbie.
0: The newbie. Now, we're going to talk about a book today. And it's the book is called The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. Uh, This book came out in 2011 and became a national bestseller. Now, I want to just say that the first half of this episode will be spoiler-free if you have not read the book yet, but after the halfway point, we will be getting into details of the book and spoilers, so if you don't want to know spoilers, heads up. If you don't care or have already read it, then you do. We We have all read this book, and first, I want to get into describing the book, um... So let's try to explain it to someone that hasn't read it. Kind of like, you know, no spoilers, just a general, you know, this is what the book's about.
1: About two characters, Marco and Celia, primarily. And um, a challenge that they go through that takes place at the Ninth Circus, hence the title of the book. Um, and there are many other characters that are woven throughout the circus. Uh, it takes place over the course of many years. And let's see. What else?
0: I think it's what... I think, I mean, the time span. Now, I've only read it once. Jonathan's in love with it. Emily <laughs> is, has read it multiple times. Or multiple two? Or two Twi- times? Twice. Least. So the time frame of the book, what, spans over 30 years?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: I th- Yeah, because, like... I'm trying to remember, I mean, I literally just got done reading it, but uh, (laughs) um, I'm trying to remember uh, just how long the time span was. Yeah, about 30 30 years.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's pretty close because it starts when um, our protagonists are very young and then carries on into their adulthood.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a coming of age story in a sense but yeah. uh but that kind of kind of dives into the next question you know what type of book is it um i know Jonathan probably thinks it's all of the books or all of the genres
2: <laughs> or whatever well it does have a lot of elements from different genres but i would say it's mainly a uh, fantastical romance type book um
1: a lot of fantastic
2: there's love and there's magic. what more do you need
0: <laughs> there's love and there's magic yeah I mean I would classify it as a fantasy romance book too um but uh but I mean you know there is magic there's there's a little bit of action there's a little bit of drama and intensity to it as well I mean there are some moments uh that are very there are intense
1: stopping moments
0: yeah yeah um the book uh itself let's uh kind of talk about the writing and the wordage of the book a little bit because i remember when i first started reading reading it uh jonathan's the one that recommended the book to me so i was kind of keeping tabs uh with him on it and there was an early chapter in the book where i was like jonathan she used the same word like five times in a chapter. <laughs> And it it was not fun for me because I was like, oh wow, she couldn't think of another word to use. But maybe that was the point of it. Maybe she wanted to use that word over and over again.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, for me, <clears throat> her writing is um everything has a purpose. Like when I read the book, everything is either a subtle hint towards something else, or it's an homage referencing um, another uh, work of literature and uh, she does that in both books that she's uh, written and published but I like to tell people that while the story itself is romantic so is her writing she writes hmm. like she loves storytelling and that's very evident in um, the phrases she uses, how she um says things in her book. And so all of that is part of the reason why it's one of my favorite books ever. Yeah.
1: So, and for me, like, her writing is very sensory-focused. Like, I feel like everything Mm. that she describes is in very deep detail, like all the visuals and everything um, that you can smell. And, like, she really tries to make you feel like you're there and experiencing all of this and especially with um like the aspects of the circus and how fantastical it is and everything like she's very explicit in what everything looks like and what it feels like to be there and um she just describes it in a very detailed way and like it's a very flowery kind of description for me like mm-hmm. it's just A lot of that kind of writing
0: yeah yeah I agree with that I mean I think the writing was very spot on I think she set up everything well I think she just like Jonathan said I think she loves to write and I think that she shows it in her writing um and but also one of the things kind of the aspects that I was kind of curious of is maybe her writing style and the way she writes um with the detailed you know, descriptions and kind of the wordage and stuff would also have to do with kind of the setting of the book as well, in a sense, um, kind of that Victorian England type of, uh, world that they're set in. So.
1: Yeah. Cause she really like lays out for you the kind of world that they're living in mm-hmm. and you get a feel for what, what all is going on in life at that point. It, And those kind of things. Yeah. It was yeah, the type be- of,
0: It was the type of book that, like, in my opinion, like, I was reading it, and every time I was reading it, I was like, what era am I in? Like, you know, (laughs) it's very one of those books where you kind of just get lost in the story, and you don't really realize what period of time that you're reading it in. In a sense, you don't really remember the setting until she says oh, they lit a candle, and you're like, lit a candle? What are you talking about? It's <laughs> all so like, oh, that's right. Yeah, they don't have electricity oh, yeah. or anything. It's like, oh, yeah.
1: This is a long time ago. Yeah, it's
0: like, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, I got Okay, I'm back in Victorian era. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, Jonathan? I cut you off a little bit.
2: I think that's just um, part of like how it shows that this story, even though it's set in that Victorian uh, London kind of era it works um in almost any like it works over time
0: yeah yeah
2: i can't say that <laughs> i can't think of a way to say that better no I, um, yeah i, it I agree it's like a timeless story yeah and because it's magical and um the characters are who they are like it would work in almost any setting but i think because it's victorian london it like creates that aesthetic that she's trying to build yeah. surrounding the nights
3: yeah
0: um i think so so victoria england but isn't it like around the 1800s like in that range i can't remember the specific dates
1: Hey, you're the one who has the book. It's like, I guess I have the book right
0: in front of me. So let me (laughs) look at
1: the beginning of the chapter. Okay,
0: yeah. So, uh, 18, one, one is set in 1891. That's at the beginning of it. Um, okay, so I think it's like, I remember reading it, and of course, uh, yeah, it's like 18, late 1800s to, uh, I think it's like mid 19. Or early 19s, I guess it was about 30 right. years. so that's
1: actually, yeah, it's like turn of the century. That it would
0: be is. Edwardian. Edwardian, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember it specifically because obviously the date 1912 was a big part of my life with the job that I have. Um, and I'm like, oh, this, and you know, for some reason, I always think of that as, as that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, being that it was okay, so it's like the early. 1900s i don't think it ever gets past i'm trying to look at the end of the book here i don't think it ever gets past 1902 so pretty much from 1880s to the earth like 1900s pretty much um yep. is the setting of it so about 20 years 20 30 years uh into it now i do want to bring up something i read if you must i read the halloween like it was halloween the book when it was Halloween for us. Like on, oh, the, on the day. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I was like, dang, this is creepy. Like everything kind of <laughs> matched up with where I was in life when I was reading the book too, which was kind of cool. Um, But anyway, I just had to bring that up because that was a cool little side note there. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
2: the it's whole a g- thing is just magical.
0: <laughs> well, it's a good thing into our, it's a good topic into our segue of, you know, a lot of books they have. You know, hidden meetings, and maybe not even hidden meetings, but just meetings in general, kind of almost life lessons. Can you think of any life lessons in the book?
1: <laughs> so I think that one of the really uh, classic kind of ideas that flows through this is the kind of um, when people are pushing you to be someone or do something because they think that you should. Um, And making those choices to be who you decide to be, even um, when other people are trying to make you do something else. Um, I I feel like that's big for both Celia and Marco. And And then, of course, yeah, um, for Bailey as well, Mm. later in the story, all three of them have these expectations put on them for how uh, their life is going to go. And, um, none of them are satisfied with that and Mm -hmm. kind of take matters into their own hands and, um, you know, shape their own destiny kind of idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely an aspect of the book for sure. I mean, a, a big
2: aspect of the book. So Jonathan, do you have any thoughts on it? All right. So one of the lessons in the book for me... Um, and i won't go into too much detail because it's it kind of is involving the plot but um it's about how you can take on things and if you don't have like someone to share that with or um if you just keep um like your emotions and um all of your problems in life just inside it will wear you down and so it's good to open up and have a one or two people that you can just um, rely on and um, have that to where you're not just drowning in your problems, sort of where it just builds and it becomes out of control. And I just saw that um, lesson in her book. And that's one of the things that really like spoke to me in her story
3: yeah
0: yeah to have to can, have people to rely on in a sense
2: yeah. and I can go into more detail in the second half with the spoilers second <laughs> half with the
0: spoilers all right so let's get into that actually so if you're listening and you don't want spoilers then stop right now um definitely recommend the book so go out and read it um and yeah so don't listen anymore if you're interested in the spoilers. All right, so let's get into spoilers. Let's kind of kind of dive into that. And, and Jonathan, we can just go straight from what you were talking about. So kind of go into a little more depth with what you were talking about if you want to.
2: Okay, yeah. So if you've read the book, you know that um, all their... Uh, the magic that they cast on the Night Circus... Um, uh, they have different methods. So Marcos, he um, has it all out in... Uh, his room with books and with string and he has um a way to like take the pressure of his magic off himself and put it somewhere else celia wasn't taught that and she keeps it all inside of her and it just builds into a place where she almost loses control and Mm -hmm. um especially with our lovely Isabel when she tampers with the magic that has been cast I love the Emily, I love
0: the Emily oomph what it comes to, is about
2: <laughs> well like, we share opinions on a lot of things
0: oh gosh I do not I do for some reason I don't share any of those opinions I have no idea why but anyway keep going
2: <laughs> um to each their own um so <laughs> so that is well, like when I read that, that spoke to me in almost like a metaphor. Like you can't keep all these things to yourself
3: mm-hmm.
2: where it just builds up and you spiral and go out of control. You have to find a way to release the stress, release your problems. Um, yeah. To where you can still live your life. Yeah. Anyway, so that just kind of spoke. Okay, to me.
1: but can we talk about Isabel? Because <laughs> yes, as well. Oh, I mean, John and I do share opinions about a lot of things, but I wouldn't have as much of a problem with Isabel, except for like how weak I find her. Like, Ouch,
0: that hurts.
1: Well. Because she starts out, and I mean, there's also initially the, like, okay, I know that you're not who Marco is going to end up with, so I don't like you. But, (laughs) like,
0: apart,
1: apart from that, because, I mean, they meet and he, she's a good, like, friend for him to have for a while, but, like, as he starts to move on and starts to pull away, like, she does not let him grow and move on. She like clings and then instead mm. of like making instead of letting him be happy and instead of um, like, <laughs> you mm. know, allowing him to move on with his life. She's like, oh, no, I'm just gonna tamper with this stuff that I have no idea how it works and I've never had control over and I'm going to just ruin everything because I don't want him to be with someone else.
0: And get someone killed in the process.
1: Yeah, exactly. Huge spoiler.
2: Like, <laughs> hey, we're <laughs> in that half. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to have stopped. Hmm.
1: But yeah, so no, this yeah. is why this is why Isabelle is annoying because she just she's she's not content with her own life and she doesn't let other people be content with theirs.
0: See, this is where I don't agree with any of that
1: okay go ahead <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Isabel, the character like i remember and stormy shout out i hope you're listening to this because she's been dying to hear the review um mm. she told me because i mentioned Isabel one day she's like ah Isabel," just the same reaction that you two have oh she's so annoying and i'm like annoying
1: good girl stormy <laughs> and
0: she goes she goes well she's gonna be annoying and I never thought Isabel was annoying. Not one time. So we meet Isabel randomly off the streets, um, kind of at a cafe or whatever. I mean, it's on the streets of wherever they're at. And I think Isabel has a book of Marco's that he, like, leaves behind.
1: Yes, she picks up one of his journals.
0: And in my mind... It just feels like in the book he meant to do that, to to lead her to him. And then he was all like, "I'm gonna woo you, and I'm going to." Don't they even kiss?
1: (laughs) They do. Yes. Like okay. So okay. So so so
0: don't. So so let me get this straight. Isabel's the crazy person because Marco's all like, "Hey baby, I'm gonna lead you on." (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to kiss no, no, I you never I, whoa, whoa, said, and then I'm going to make you said... love me and then it's just going to be like oh I, I yeah I never really cared about you. Yeah, we yeah. I I love Celia.
1: Well, Marco is irresistible, so there's <laughs> nothing to say that he did exactly. it on purpose. Exactly. Exactly. But um I never said that he was right, but I it's okay to have relationships with people and then have it not work out and then you move on like you don't have to like that is the first time that he really gets to have any sort of outside relationship outside of um you know like the relationship he has with alexander which is not even really a relationship like he shows up you know once every couple of years to be like hey are you still learning what you're supposed to be learning okay good See you in a few years.
0: And he he doesn't even say that. He just shows up and Marco's all like, how am I doing? He's like, "Ah, okay. And then he walks away. Yeah, (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. There's no no feedback or anything. So I don't think that it's hard to imagine Marco being like, Oh my gosh, a person well, not a only... person in real life. how exciting. Well, not
0: only a like, person but a beautiful girl too. I mean.
1: yeah, so I feel like that would be an easy thing to kind of get swept up in, especially if she turned out to be someone who was like who showed interest in what he was studying and like his journal and everything. like she was curious about it. And so it was like, hmm, you you like what I like. Okay, well, we, just... we can do this. <laughs>
0: I never saw Isabel as annoying or weak, even even in the sense of her breaking the the spell and having that whole scene go down where, you know, uh, Shandresh or whatever, however you say his name, yeah. uh, kills uh, Frederick. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, it's just like the progression of the book, the way she wrote it, like I, I never felt like oh, Isabel, why did you do that? It's like, yeah, Isabel, like, you did that. And yeah, that was bad. And yeah, that was stupid. You shouldn't have done that. But I also see where you're coming from as well. Because she's like, I did everything for Marco. I, you know, watched the show for him. I wrote him letters. I thought we had this really close relationship. And all of a sudden, I find out that he's in love with this girl that's supposed to be his enemy, in a sense. I mean, he always talks about her as an enemy. Or not as an enemy, per se, as, like, oh, she's my opponent. A rival. A rival. And all of a sudden, it's all like, oh, yeah, I love her. And she's like, what the heck, man? (laughs) It's like,
2: (laughs) like, what the... So,
0: anyway, that's my opinion. Um, But, Jonathan, do you have anything to add to that about that relationship?
2: If she had been blindsided, then I could possibly understand her reaction. But there is, like, so much evidence... To the fact that she knew it was bound to happen.
0: Oh, 100%. Well, and and,
2: like, like and Marco and,
0: and Isabel never had like a romantic or, you know, anything more than just like a friendship, a contact relationship. So, I mean, there's that aspect of it too. Right. They really shouldn't expect like, anything more from that.
2: Yeah. And they have that little bit in the beginning when it's still new but he literally sends her to the circus she watches the circus but then he says specifically tell me about this girl yeah and (laughs) like he's getting all his information about celia through isabel and um she should i'm i believe she could see it happening Maybe that wasn't the intention that Aaron had for that character. But I think Isabel knew what was going on. She just refused to accept it. And then when Marco completely ended things with her, she reacted poorly. And- but,
0: but, I mean, isn't not that how isn't that how we would all react in some way, shape, or form? You know, we're in love with this person. Maybe not love. Love's a very strong word. But, like, you know, we're interested in this person. We like this person. We love this person. Whatever the case may be. And that person doesn't feel the same for us, even though, you know, we were in this relation. I'll use the word relationship for so long. And then it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to break this lamp. You know, that type of thing, too. I'm going to break this lamp. I'm going to burn all his clothes. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, interrupt the magic for the circus, you know, for one night. Because you know what? I'm going to get back at him. Isn't that what they do? Isn't that a thing?
1: (laughs) I think that just because it might not be um, an uncommon reaction doesn't mean that it's not a poor reaction. Oh, I agree
0: with that. Like, It was definitely a and, poor reaction. And it had yeah, consequences and I to think, it.
1: Yes, for sure. And I think that part of what made it such a poor decision is, like, Isabel had contact with Celia, like, through the mm. circus. Yeah. So she knew, like... It wasn't like Celia was trying to steal Marco from her. Like, Celia had no idea about Isabel. So it wasn't anything done, like, in hate or like it was like, oh my gosh, this girl's trying to steal my man. Like, she had no idea. And so I think that makes it worse what Isabel did because she knew both of the parties involved and Mm -hmm. how her actions were going to make things worse for them.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And can we look at the scene in the cafe um, on the night that it's raining and Mm -hmm. uh, Celia goes to the cafe and sees Isabel and Isabel does Celia's reading with the tarot cards. And that's part of the evidence I mentioned earlier, like Isabel knows what's happening because (laughs) she literally sees it in the cards. The lover cards. Um, Yeah, exactly. So that's part of why... I
3: hmm.
2: don't agree with how Isabel acts in the yeah. I'm not saying she's a bad character at all. I actually yeah. kind of well, like her. I'm just I'm
0: just I'm just saying we are heavily talking about her.
1: <laughs> it's true.
3: Yeah.
0: I, I mean, would
1: be willing to move on to another adorable relationship called Poppet, Widget, and Bailey. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yes, I agree. That's actually the next the next character connection that I want to talk about. Yes,
1: moving um, right along.
0: So when I first met Bailey, that's when he met, uh, Widge, Poppet, or Poppet. It. Yeah, I it was about to Pop Poppet. Yeah, sorry. Um <laughs> and um and I was like, who is this random girl? It's like okay. And then I remember reading along, and then I remember them being born. Right. And I remember te- texting Jonathan, and I was like. Jonathan, how did Bailey meet Poppet but then we saw them being born? How does that work? He's like, Lucas the time jump and I was like,
3: oh, time that's jump, right.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> right. I think it's fantastic of a a fantastic relationship. Um yeah. Go on. Yeah,
1: I think they're just so fun. Like I love Poppet and Widget because they get to be literally born into the circus it's like the life that they know and they are such a part of everything like they know all the performers they know they get to be there at the circus every night they get to start performing themselves and then just bringing bailey into it like it's it's so exciting like for him being the character that he is where again like he's had these expectations, you know, you're going to grow up, you're going to take care of this farm. Um you're not going to ever get really very far from here to be able to go somewhere like the circus and have people accept him and want him to be there and come join them and just get a chance to see that kind of life that's so different from his. Um like that's so cool and it's such a it's such a fun part of the book to read.
2: Yeah. I also like the fact that um Poppet and widget are the only characters in the book that are able to perform magic in a sense that they were taught it by someone who really loved them, not as part of a challenge or but a bet between. It, yeah. They, they were just because, um, because of the effects of opening night on their birth on their birthday. Yeah. Um, and they were given these abilities um Celia take uh, uh sees that and kind of takes them under their wing and teaching them more and mm-hmm. uh i love th- that relationship yeah where Celia um gives them the ability to understand their their abilities a bit more and they're not taught uh they're not brought up in this hostile environment yeah like the other magic characters were
1: yeah
0: yeah well and uh i mean they're, they're probably one of my some of my favorite characters in the book bailey's definitely one of my favorite characters in the book i do think it's a little underwhelming bailey's character but uh, we'll talk about that with the ending when we get to that um but i did i did like the character and i liked his progression and i liked uh kind of what happened with him as well like i really like that um but uh but yeah bailey's relationship with Poppet and widget is just so i mean it's just it's just a very cute fun relationship you know i think that's one of my favorite scenes when he was just literally spending the day with them and uh they were just showing him around everywhere
1: (laughs) yeah it's fun
0: yeah, did you like how I threw that in there into a mixture of words so that no one could say anything about it?
1: <laughs> we kind of responded. We did our best.
0: Yeah, true, true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Marco and Celia, they're the ones that are kind of pitted against each other in a sense. They're the challengers of each other. They're the ones that yeah. have to, I don't even want to say the word fight. What's a good one They word? have to
1: test their test. skills against yeah, one test another. Test their
0: skills. Uh, Celia is trained by hit her father,
1: Prospero.
0: Um, Prospero, the entertainer, aka Hector, and then
1: aka crazy man,
0: aka <laughs> ghost of a man, aka exactly ridiculous person. Um, and then you yeah. have uh, uh, Marco, who is actually an orphan. Um, yes. And Alexander chose him out of three people, which is kind of weird. Um,
2: I really like that scene. It's very entertaining to me how I he tested
0: you. Yeah, I do like that scene as well. That scene is very good. And that's why I, I love Alexander. Um, I don't like that he was referred to. I mean, I, uh, it's just so conflicting because I do like the fact that he was referred to as the man in the gray suit the entire book. Yeah but i don't it's just like
1: it just adds an air of mystery to that character it does. which i think is applicable to him like which i don't think it was resolved a mystery. All the way as well right like we know very little about him
0: which i don't like <laughs> <laughs> so prequel yeah seriously so oh he- my god so hector's <laughs> training his daughter alexander's training marco to test each other and um different strategies different and we'll we'll talk about this when we get to the the when we talk about the ending cuz I find that fascinating too um <laughs> but uh but yeah Alexander man and Hector what a weirdo
1: <laughs> Yeah what I just really dislike about Hector is like immediately when he finds out at the beginning of the book that he has a daughter his first thought is like, oh, good. I have another challenger. I'm going to make a bet.
3: Yeah. Like,
1: I'm going to train this child knowing that she might die because I'm going to enter her in this challenge. And there's just like no care about that at all. It's like I'm going to win because I want my way to be best. And I don't care about any of the consequences. And mm-hmm. I just want to punch his face.
2: Well, it makes no, sense. I think...
0: Oh, sorry. Jonathan, go. No.
2: No sorry i think if there was a villain in this story it would have to be hector like not even hector and alexander just hector because he's just he's a performer and he's an awful man like he's he doesn't do any good thing in the book he doesn't and i love
0: the relationship between hector and alexander um, just like you said, yeah. Emily, Hector really doesn't care about Celia. I mean, he does in the, you know, I want you to win you're my daughter type of way, but not really. Well, a- Alexander, by the end of the book, I think you really like, you really kind of see Alexander, in a sense, almost caring for him. Almost caring for right. Marco, in a sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's I think that it's definitely been harder, or you know, I this is total speculation. I think that it was a lot harder on Alexander having those competitions because of just, like, his disposition. Like, I think that's why he has to be so distant from his challengers because
3: I think that he would
1: be in danger. Right, I think he would be Mm. in danger of getting too attached and um, not being able to go through with it.
0: And it's so fascinating because you have a relationship between a, fa- a father and a daughter that you would think would be close, that you would think would be strong, but isn't. And then you have a, a relationship with a man and a boy who who didn't even know each other, right? And have had so much distance between them that are that's almost closer than the father and the daughter,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, all good. All good uh, moments. And uh, I believe Hector was the one that that kind of I don't want to say charmed, but kind of told uh, Shandresh about uh, um, being at the circus and how the man in the gray suit was there. Blah, 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 blah.
2: Definitely. Yeah, we talked. uh, You and I talked about this the other night, so I'll share it. Um, yep. Like Marco does influence Shandresh in that he makes him forget a few things here and there. And in that state of confusion that uh, Chandris um, is in, that gives Hector the opportunity to come in and influence him. um,
1: As a ghost. man.
2: Yeah, as ghost dad. Um, And so there's another reason why Hector is the villain of the story because he's taking this um, man who's kind of being deceived by his... um, assistant and planning thoughts in his head that will eventually end in a great disaster.
0: Yeah, the killing of someone that's probably the most innocent in the book. uh Hands down.
1: Friedrich, he's such a yeah. great man.
0: Yeah. Now uh let's talk about <laughs> love. Uh, let's talk about Marco a little bit because I am that's not in love with this character as much as everyone else is.
1: That's because you're a boy. Just get over it.
2: <laughs> well Jonathan's a boy <laughs> yes but i'm a romantic and you are not yeah he you're is. right i'm not um so... and it's
1: more see, it's more for john it's more marco and celia it's not marco by himself
0: okay yes. yeah well i just i can't get over the fact of what marco does to Chandrish. and like that scene in the book is probably one of my most uh pop, like one that i like the most because i'm like oh marco's getting it marco marco's a bad person like, the scene, the scene, okay, so the scene where Shindresh is, like, looking through his house and he goes into, he's drunk and he goes into Marco's room and looks through all this stuff and he realizes, probably for the hundredth time, that Marco's controlling the circus in some way. And
3: yeah.
0: Marco's all like, oh, taking away your memory. It's all like, oh. And then, like, he's, like, that character is so broken after that scene until the end of the book like that character is never the same after that chapter in the yeah. book
1: and so it just i think that
0: sucks so much
1: <laughs> i understand why you're frustrated but also um like the character that you love alexander is the one who enabled marco to go work for shandrish exactly. knowing mm-hmm. that marco like his entire job working for shandrish would be to plant these thoughts mm-hmm. and make things happen for the challenge. Yeah. So like as sad as it is, because it definitely does take a mental toll on Shandrish and he does not make it through very well. Um, Like. It's not Marco's that's fault. Kind of. Right. It's kind of like what, what was expected of Marco going into it. Like, he wasn't just going to be able to go in and be an assistant and get everything accomplished that he needed to
0: yeah also the challenge also i i it was super i don't know that scene it just is it bears a hole in my mind because like <laughs> like that scene where he finds like the book of hairs and stuff like that i'm just like marco's a creep what is he doing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know Part that's how magic. the
1: magic works, man. Yeah,
0: exactly, Marco. You're not your like creep- he
1: stole it off their pillows. Oh,
0: he, I bet he did. I bet he was all like, "Oh, <laughs> let me just get this hair from you." Dink. Okay, there we go. So like <laughs> that's so crazy. And then he like taped them in a book. Oh, so weird. I mean, anyway. it does so
2: weird. make you wonder how he got those hair samples, but he was doing <sighs> it to protect everyone. It was all good intentions. It's not like he's <laughs> sniffing it at night.
1: Oh gosh. Oh
2: god. Um, <laughs> But
1: he just opened the book in the middle of the <laughs> night to take a whiff of the hairs. Oh, but
2: gosh. if anything, I think that speaks more to Marco as a character because he's not this perfect person. He yeah grew up in he didn't grow up hard, in a loving home.
1: Hard circumstances. Yeah. yeah,
2: and yet he's still good. He makes mistakes, but he's a good person. Yeah, and in the end. I agree. He's going to fight to remedy Everything the things that, he, that Celia undone, and Marco you know, have done did, together.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to say that one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the book, probably hands down, is the scene where Celia Celia auditions for the show.
2: Uh, oh,
1: it's so cool! Yeah. Okay,
2: that. so so that scene right there just shows the um what I was talking about earlier with Aaron's ability to write Mm -hmm. romantically and like imbue magic into this the words because she paints such a vivid picture of that scene of celia performing her illusions and like it gives me chills when i read that because it's so amazing and flawless and it
1: gave marco chills and he was like oh crap this (laughs) is my this is the person who is supposed to beat me and she's amazing and gorgeous and gorgeous
2: look at our dress (laughs) changing colors oh my gosh yeah all right so (laughs) let's
0: talk about this ending Mm -mm
2: -mm. um
1: (laughs) tell us your thoughts on this ending lucas i
2: think that's how it's gonna have to go because okay so (laughs) listeners um as lucas was reading this i got we had a lot of conversations and (laughs) so this was one of them so please continue lucas so pretty much the ending,
0: I thought it was very, very anticlimactic.
2: Okay.
1: Carry on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so pretty much, I mean, like with, uh, you know, everything that happened where they were like trapped in the flames and uh, like the, the circus stood still. Who what was that what was the girl's name? Kiko? Sukiko, Akiko, Akiko, something that Sukiko, yeah, Sukiko. Oh, uh, also we should probably say that Sukiko is, uh, which was a very interesting aspect of the book that was interesting. I said interesting twice because it is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Indeed. You know, uh, Sukiko is was Alexander's old um,
1: protege, protege
0: challenger, whatever you want to say. And uh, Hector had one too. Pretty much the same thing happened. They fell in love, and uh, sh- the she sacrificed herself for uh, her as well. And so, yeah. like that was interesting. And so, pretty much she died, and they loved each other. And so she's had to live. She joined the circus as well. Anyway, um, that 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 like whole. That i know that's that's a very big thing to talk about <laughs> right but uh, kind of a yeah. side note to the ending of it you know she was there and bailey was walking up and bailey was super important to the ending i was hearing all about it from jonathan and stormy shout out <laughs> again you know like oh my gosh bailey is the most important person in the book and i'm like
3: how <laughs> <laughs> how <laughs>
0: it's, like, it's like i knew it was happening but how is he the most important and so i mean i kind of had an idea uh, so like that happened and then but i think the biggest part for me i think the biggest anticlimactic part in the whole book is the the pinnacle of celia doing what she did like going in okay so marco <laughs> and shikiko were gonna trap marco in the stasis i guess he was
1: gonna sacrifice himself
0: sacrifice himself just so like
1: that delia could live
0: just li- yeah oh i guess I, sh- I guess we should say that the point of the book pretty much the ending was that one of them were supposed to die right. and that's how the other one won the game correct um and so they were gonna trap him so that or, and kill him so that celia could live so he didn't want to do it so she pretty much ran up marco holding and pretty much froze everything at least the circus. She
1: like disintegrated them.
0: Yeah, she literally she, like, disintegrated them. Yeah, spread
1: them all out, in the hopes that she could pull them back together again mm. enough, for them to still be there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so but of course, but of course, they're they're the ones controlling the circus, so everyone in the circus is like, technically dead. Frozen. In a sense, frozen, frozen, dead, kind mm-hmm. of the same thing. And Bailey. <laughs> Not being a part of the circus, he is able to maneuver. Yes, and not be frozen nor AKA dead.
1: Correct. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Okay, right. Jonathan, what were
2: you gonna so, say? Oh, so um, Celia successfully does what Hector tried to do and failed. Hector reached too far. They make the analogy of, I think it was wine in the ocean, yeah. maybe, mm-hmm. yep. and he overreached. I think that when Celia, um, tries to save Marco and does the same thing, she limits it to the circus. The circus, and I think that's yeah. how she's able to succeed because, um, uh, Widget earlier in the book talks about um, the. Man who became the tree. And mm. I think. She's able to. Like kind of anchor them. And I think that's how they pull it off. But that magic set off. um, That like
1: chain reaction. Chain
2: reaction to where. All the magic that had been. Protecting the circus. And making everything work. Kind of imploded. To where the occupants Were. Frozen in time, mm-hmm. and except Tsukiku. what Sukiko? Sukiko, which Tsukiku. I guess it's because she's magic in and of herself. Yeah, yeah. had she left the circus at that point, because I think she was going to. But um, unless I was I'm um, Isabel. But um, so if that's why when we had this conversation the other night, I tried to like amp it up. Because if <laughs> Bailey wasn't there to intercede on their behalf, the...
1: That would have been the state they were left yeah. in. Yeah.
2: So, which is essentially death. They were just frozen there, stuck. Yeah. And so, all of that would have been ended. And not just the people that we love, like Widget and Poppet, but every, every citizen of the circus yeah. would have been dead. And so, that's why it's so drastic. Because, yeah. um...
1: And it ends up being a very big responsibility that Bailey takes on because, I mean, like, this is a 15-year-old kid who's saying, not only am I going to take on this magical responsibility, like, this actual weight, like, I am the anchor for this circus now. If I'm not here, like, everything falls apart. But there's also, like the business end which he doesn't take over right away but like he becomes the proprietor and and that's a big deal like it is he didn't have any background or training like he had a feeling and he had a connection to the circus and he was like yes i'm gonna take on this responsibility and i don't know what all that's gonna involve in the next few years but I'm not willing to let this, um, this experience that has impacted so many lives, you know, across the whole world fall apart because I won't do this.
2: Yeah. Right. And I, I think that's another message we can look kind of cliche in a way, but like the younger generation, how we, um, kind of raise them and what we teach them is important because, uh, in this book, the younger generation are the ones who come along and clean everything Save up. It. Like, yeah. Bailey takes on the responsibility of the circus. Um, Poppet goes and uh, helps Chandrish kind of pull himself back together once all is said and, and done. And gives
1: him a little kitten.
2: Yeah. Uh, what's, what's, so, best, what's better than a little kitten?
1: Exactly. Right. That, that, that cure will your cure mind. your mental illness.
2: Yeah. So I think that's another takeaway is like how we leave things for future generations and also how we raise those generations to be better. Yeah. Look at me being deep. (laughs) So cliche.
0: No, I'm just kidding. It's
2: good. No. So, so
0: yeah, I mean like characters were good. Um, I mean, solid character, character development was good. Relationships were good. Um, yeah. I mean, just a solid book all the way around.
2: And my favorite thing is that the end of the story widget is telling the story to Alexander and it ends with the phrase. The circus arrives without <laughs> warning, which is how the book begins. And that is probably why I have reread it, is because you can you can just go back to the beginning and it's going. widget telling the story. Wow. And it's just so freaking good. Like, <laughs> yeah. But then it's humorous because then widget like catches up and he's like, This is Alexander, this is what we're doing now. <laughs> but never mind. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, I did but like the, I, I just love it. I did like the ending with Alexander and Widget, too. Like, that was yeah. good. That was good.
1: It's also a very uh, easy book to read aloud because that's what I did with Jason John, because it's so much narration.
3: Mm, yeah, that
1: you can read it really easily. And it's just fun having all the descriptions and everything. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's a good book. I loved it. And I'll probably read it again at some point when I'm not reading books to do book reviews for the podcast. <laughs> um so overall rating of the book zero to ten. Jonathan, like I said, you can break
2: the scale if you want. <laughs> One thousand Um no. Oh, I God. I would give it I would give it a nine. And mm, only because really I was expecting well, you'd would... say eleven. Yeah. I mean, I this is my favorite standalone novel without a doubt i would say and i took off one point not because of anything aaron did but because of how it can be a little hard to follow with the time jumps yes but it really depends on the reader because some people can look past that and see the art that this book is and some people get stuck on it and can't move forward well i remember that Um, i
0: remember that you said that it was a little bit hard to follow and i was like it's not too hard to follow there were some moments where i was like okay what and then i was like oh yeah that's right um yeah because i kind of read it in order but then towards the end of the book it was kind of like going back going forward going back going forward and so but uh but i i thought it was easy to follow for the most part
1: right reading through it a second time definitely makes things easier because you know what to expect and you get a better Mm -hmm. mental timeline, I think, than the first time. But, yeah.
0: yeah. All right, so Jonathan, yours is a nine. All right, Emily, what about you?
2: I already feel guilty. I'm making it a 10. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right, Jonathan, you moved it to a 10. What about you, Emily?
1: I would definitely give it a solid eight. Hmm. Uh, I think that it's a really... I mean it's just a really good book. I think that it's well written and it's engaging and it's entertaining and this whole circus theme being a magical thing instead of, you know, a lot of a lot of today's um representations of circus is a lot of like horror really. Mm-hmm. Like that's where circuses get put in and I really like that it is um kind of the classic you know they're selling popcorn and peanuts and there's acrobats and and these amazing different feats in this really magical setting so yeah. yep it's an eight for me
0: eight for you it's kind of like this is the greatest showman you know the greatest showman exactly. so i like
1: that one too black and
0: white except, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah except black and white yeah and not a musical um you know, I'm dancing around a seven to an eight. Um Woo Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll probably go with seven. Um because I haven't read it again, but maybe when I read it again it'll be an eight. But uh but I definitely thought it was a solid uh book. It had uh, great characters. Um were well, there some things that I was disappointed about? Yes, that's why I'm giving it a seven. But maybe if I read it again, I'll appreciate kind of what the writer was trying to do when she was writing this specific book.
1: And you'll figure out your feelings about Isabel. That'll oh happen gosh, in yeah. this second like, reading, too. Maybe. <laughs> you never
0: know. Maybe I missed a chapter. So maybe I missed the point where she was annoying. But I don't know. Are gonna <laughs> change. Anyway, well, we definitely recommend the book to people who are interested. Uh, we could talk about this for hours. And we actually have. So, um, (laughs) but, uh, it's a great book with a solid story, um, great characters and an air of mystery to it as well. Um, I've heard a lot of people love this book, so give it a shot. Um, any last, uh, any last thoughts, you two?
2: Can I read a quote that I think speaks to just Aaron's writing in general? Yes. But also it's just a beautiful quote. It's from the night circus and it says, You may tell a tale that takes up residence in someone's soul, becomes their blood and self and purpose. That tale will move them and drive them. And who knows what they might do because of it, because of your words. That is your role, your gift. And I think that is a message to herself and any aspiring author that words can move people. And I love that. Yeah. Thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you we, that's where we do the snap
2: welcome though. to my ted talk
0: <laughs> no guys thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it we could talk about this for hours and hours but um that wouldn't be fun to listen to well it would be fun but you know, <laughs> not for hours and hours we are entertaining.
1: That would be fun for us. Oh, are yeah, you not fun for us so.
0: yeah all right guys well thank you so much for doing this thank you so much for listening have a good weekend stay safe and remember you don't care